the world. Here's your host, Alexander Garrett. When you're Well, I would say this year, this decade has been a strange one, don't you agree? Uh, Alexander Garrett presenting another part, a decade in review part two, I'm going to call it. going to do it in five different parts because it'll just sample size the five biggest moments of the decade through my interviews. And one of them, you might recognize by this call in 1956. And is ready, gets the sign. Two strikes, ball one. Here comes the pitch. Strike three. A no hitter, a perfect game for John Larson. That indeed was the voice of Mr. Bob Wolf, who did pass away at the age of 95 in 2017. A mentor of mine from 0506 to really summer of 17. I was still talking to him, and almost every Saturday he would have me call his home up in Nyack, New York, and he'd mentor me on how to do stuff like this, a radio show, play-by-play, live read sports. He really uh, inspired this sports hour um, in many, in more ways than one. But I, I had multiple chances to interview with him, and this was one of mine that I thought would stick out uh, as we leave this decade uh, in the podcast member bank for Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett. Well, news breaking this weekend that Mr. Bob Wolf, a Hall of Fame broadcaster, baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, uh, called Don Larson's perfect game, called the Washington Senators games, called Nick games, called the greatest game ever played at Yankee Stadium, but it was the Giants and the Colts. Hall of Fame broadcast career continued up to 96, literally. Well, he has passed away this week. And and I am sad. I am grateful that he took the time to to talk with me week in and week out for years. And uh, here is my interview with Bob Wolf from 2012. All right, I'm here with Bob Wolf, uh, longtime broadcaster, Hall of Fame broadcaster for uh, both baseball and basketball, and done many sports, and. Um, He's been my mentor for so many years. Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, it's just a delight to be with you, Alexander. So how's everything going? I know you're on a book. You've been doing a book tour for the last uh, year or so. How's that going? Uh, tell us what you're up to nowadays. It's it's going very well. I appreciate you asking about that. Yes, it's called the Complete Guide to Sportscasting: How to Make It in Sportscasting with or Without Talent. Now, I always felt that I was in the latter category. Mm, well, obviously you're a Hall of Famer. Tell us about your career and how you made it into broadcasting. Well, basically, most people apply for jobs. I guess in almost every line of work that they do, they send out letters and resumes and so forth. I always felt that a, a better way, the way that I tried to use and did use successfully, was I go to a station with an idea for a show, a program, could be radio or television or cable. I'd tell them what the idea was, how a show could be done, which I thought would bring in a lot of people and advertisers as well. And then as we spoke about the show, I'd say, and then I'd do this on the show and do that, and then I'd add this and bring in this guest, etc. And by the time I got through speaking, if they liked the idea, 
all of a sudden they realized that I was speaking about what I planned to do on my show. And if they right, liked yeah. the idea, they get, they took me along with it. And I felt that was the best way to, to get on the air and make a sale. There you go. Well, Bob Wolf has been uh, behind the mic for some great events. Bob Larson, Don Larson's perfect game. And Amici score. The Amici score is the greatest game ever played. Uh, that was the Giants against the Baltimore Colts, 1958. And um, of all those moments that you've seen, what stands out to you the most? Well, basically, a lot of people do great shows, great teams. But it's more important from a career standpoint, if you happen to do those great shows or great teams, before the largest audience possible. So I was very fortunate that when I did that Colt Giant game, it was a game that was instrumental in making football of the pros a major sport. After that, everybody wanted to be part of it, and that was the the big football game that got them over the top. It was the first overtime game in National Football Championship history. It involved two great teams, the Giants and the Colts, at Yankee Stadium, New York City. It had all the elements of, of splendor and drama, and, and it made the pro football what it is today. And with the baseballs, my Calling the Don Larson no-hitter, of course, <clears throat> that's the greatest feat in World Series history. So that helped because I had nationwide audiences. But I've had a lot of other sports. I did the championships on TV of the New York Knickerbockers. And for basketball, they were, they were big sports. But I was at the right place at the right time. And that, that's part of the luck of the business. Exactly, and uh, sports is ever-growing nowadays. Uh, another thing about Bob Wolf, I've known him at Yankee Stadium, but I also know him at the Henry Viscardi School where uh, I really first met him. Uh, he's been coming out to the school to help out fundraise for many years, and uh, I'm sure you have a lot of fun at those events. Oh, I, the spirit of that school was just terrific. The learning that they impart is wonderful, and that's, I enjoy doing things where everybody seems to have a big time being together. And every year, I guess for many, many years, I've been at the big dinner in Albertson and continue to do so. Now, you're also in News 12. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, that. That's part of what you're doing nowadays. Well, for the last 25 years, I've been working for News 12 Long Island and also appearing on other News 12 Long Island shows. A lot of my shows are still on the air on the networks. Madison Square Garden, after 50 years with them, put on a, a big spectacular uh, Bob Wolf's Golden Golden Anniversary. It was very flattering to me they did that. And many of my, my calls, like the, the ones you referred to, the Colts, Giants, Larson, and the rest, still being played in highlights on the networks. So uh, I'm in very... Lucky that these things have been kept and treasured and are still being played. But at Long Island, I've enjoyed every minute of it there at News 12. It gave me a chance, instead of traveling all around the country, to really stay at home, watch my kids play ball, be with my family more, and also do some studio anchoring and sportscasting. And I enjoy that just as much. So uh, they've been very kind to me for a quarter of a century. And... Uh... Now let's talk about sports, which is what you've 
done so well at doing it over the years. Let's talk about it a little bit. The big news around here nowadays is the Knicks and the Rangers both doing really well. Uh, the Knicks are a little bit more of a surprise because of Jeremy Lin. Uh, your thoughts on Lin? Well, I think it's interesting that on the pro side of sports, I think that a lot of the guys believe that that part of their job is to be entertainers as well as athletes. And I think uh, many are very entertaining with with their dances and slapping on the back and all the rest of the things they go through, calling themselves, make, making sure that people are aware that they made the catch or the touchdown or the or the hit the home run and posing and posturing before they run around the bases. That's all well and good, except that it's done more not for how important it is in the game, but how important it is for them to take a bow, whether it had any game importance or not. So to me, it's been refreshing in, in the last year that we've seen all the accolades going to people who are considered more modest. I mean, Jeremy Lin is the ultimate in that of being the modest guy who defers to his teammates, doesn't try to steal the spotlight. We've seen Tim Tebow has done the same thing this year in football. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've, obviously, we've seen that with, with others. We've seen that uh, in the pros with the Giants as well. So it's been re- very refreshing. And while the Knicks did lose on Thursday to the Heat, I mean, you can't really blame Lynn. The fact is the Heat are a very good team. But I think the Knicks do have some potential. And as you mentioned earlier, you called them over the years, and I'm sure you still follow them uh, pretty closely. Yes, I I do follow them closely. One of the things that I've been doing at, at News 12 is to do editorials every week about the views. I haven't been doing the play-by-play, but I do give my opinions on my, the Bob Wolf point of view show. And uh, my they've given me the privilege of speaking my mind, and I think that's a, a great privilege for anybody. But I've, I've been dwelling a lot on, on Jeremy Lin. In this last game, he played uh, poorly for Lin, but I've noticed that he takes an awful battering when he drives to the baskets. I mean, when they defenders go over to stop him, they don't only reach up to swat the ball away. They bang into him, and many times he just falls to the floor. And he doesn't get much sleep these days with all the demands for autographs and getting on various TV and radio shows. I, I had the feeling in this last game, he not only looked tired, but he played tired. But I began to see that uh, when he went to the basket, he was a little reluctant to do what he did in the earlier games he played. He seemed to be a, a trifle gun-shy because he'd been hit so hard. So he was missing many layups. He was missing that easy little jump shot he likes to take to float the ball in from four or five feet away. And I think with a little more rest, which he's able to get now during the All-Star break, and just get his forces back together, he'll have a great second half of the season. Now, uh, I read today the Knicks have uh, a strange schedule, only two games in the next ten days, of course. All-Star weekend, Lynn will be playing in that tonight. It's now called the Team Shaq versus Team Charles Barkley, not the sophomores versus freshmen or whatever it is. Uh, A basketball game preceding the All-Star game, which is Sunday, and then uh, following the break, they only have a couple of games. So maybe this rest will help Jeremy in the long run, hopefully. It'll be good. I think, you know, it's, 
It's up to him to get enough rest so that he can really play at this top-notch form, which is awful tough for any of these guys to do because it's not only playing a game every night, it's traveling from one city to the next, you know, sleeping in hotels, eating food and so forth outside of their homes. It's, it's, a, it's a tough existence they're going through. And uh, they've had a lot of back-to-back games, of course. They played the Hawks one night, then went to Miami. Uh, the next, I mean, they've had a lot of back-to-backs. That's just an example. So I think it's wearing on them a little bit. Now on the ice, the Rangers have looked like a totally different team than what we've seen the last few years. They look much better. I think Brad Richards was a key acquisition. Now the big target about Rick Nash and whether the Rangers will get him. Some people say it's a good idea because he's a good scorer. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rangers this year? Well, for one thing, they have slowly but surely developed some great players. It's more than a one-man team or a two-man team. They actually have put together championship-caliber teams, and that's great to say because there's nothing more rather than a, than a hockey fan. I mean, those Ranger fans are devoted. They've got something to cheer about, yell about, and they they deserve a team like that, and they're getting it. And also, ice hockey... Coast to Coast is making bigger inroads this year. The, the national networks are giving them more TV time. They're playing more spectacular games like the the games in, in baseball stadiums that they're freezing over. It's Ice hockey is making a big thrust to be up on even a ma- more major basis than it has in the past. Of course, it's been a, I've watched the growth. When I started doing ice hockey in New York, doing the Rangers, there were just six teams in the league. And that they weren't even seen coast to coast, so they they they've made rapid progress. They have, and uh, obviously, I think, obviously, I think the fact that the NBA was not sure if they were going to have a season this year, it's been down to 66 games. And I thought going into the hockey season with NBA not really around, it was their time to step up. And uh, I feel like it's become a popular sport again over the last couple of years. And uh, you know, Bettman's doing an okay job as commissioner, so. Uh, I think it's uh, thriving right now compared to what it was a few years ago. I believe so, too. I also believe that when it comes to the Olympic hockey and it comes also to college hockey and high school hockey, they're able to play the sport, keep it even faster without the business of dropping your gloves and squaring off and fighting and making some of these guys goons on the ice to protect their, their colleagues. Uh, I believe that that they should do something to tame down the the fighting aspect of the game. Although the league says that's what the public wants to see, and there's the public and the pros who do the buying of the tickets. So it looks like they're going to stay with that uh, method of doing things. That is true. There's been a banner year for concussions in the NHL, and I always remember Eric Lindros. Almost every time he played, he was sure to get a concussion. Of course, now, that was a few years ago, but. That's one player that always they get that, and uh, it's it spread around to other players now. Uh, obviously, spring training right around the corner. Well, spring training is here. Uh, A.J. Burnett's out of New York. Was that a good move for the Yankees? I mean, I thought so. What are your thoughts? Well, A.J. Burnett, unfortunately, after some big years, seemed to be in decline as far as his ability to, to win games consistently. But he's the type of pitcher that was really not an overpowering pitcher. He had to make just the right pitches. And and making just the right spot, hitting the, the right position on, on control, 
is something that seems to subside when you get older and older, you start making mistakes. And I believe the Yankees felt that they'd given them as many opportunities to win as they could, and maybe someplace else would be better for them. And I think uh, I think for A.J. Burnett, he's welcoming a chance to, to leave New York where he was having his problems getting people to feel that he's on the way back and not trying it someplace else. So I wish him well. I think he's a good pitcher, and I think he will will do well this year. Uh, I think in Pittsburgh he will thrive simply because the markets are totally different. In New York, there's so much pressure. Uh, three major uh, newspapers, many media outlets, and just all eyes are on the center of New York when it comes to baseball because of the Yankees. And if you're not performing well on the Yankees, then, of course, you're going to get the boot in a sense. And I think that's what um, management thought, and I guess uh, the fans were happy to see that as well. On the med side, uh, Johan Santana comes back. Not sure what to expect from him this year. Uh, I say Pelfrey has to step up once again. And who knows, David Wright should uh, should be the guy to lead the offense because he's a veteran presence and he knows what he's doing at the plate. The problem is not the players in many cases. It's that, and this isn't a problem. It's just the fact that New York demands winners. I mean, it's the biggest city in the world. They pay the most money, they have great fans, and they want people to, to win win ball games, no matter what the sport. That was the problem that A.J. Burnett ran into. It's a problem the Mets ran into last year when it looked like they were just going downhill. And now with such a, a limited budget, it's important that to restore faith in the franchise, they get off to a good start, not slot start slipping right out of contention early in the season. There's hope <laughs> as long as they play the games and if, and if they win. But uh, people will be focusing on them to see if that's possible. And I'll say you this, they won't lack in spirit. They won't lack in trying. Now the question is, will they be able to have enough talent to do it? Well, we'll see. I, I wonder how... How much of a difference is it going to make moving in the fences, uh, both in right field and center field, I believe? Uh, it could make a difference for that offense. Uh, only time will tell. Now, uh, going to football really quickly, obviously the Giants did win the Super Bowl. We all know that it was a great run for them. Now it's on to the combine and uh, the draft, which will probably have Andrew Luck going into Indianapolis. Uh, what are your thoughts on Peyton? Will he go back to India or is he on the way out? Well, I believe that that Peyton, according to the the Jets, they still are interested in the possibility of getting him. I think the the Jets are being very cautious this year of what they actually want to do because they've been burned by the fact that their their coach was awful of prognostication, saying they were going to win, go all the way to the championship. He doesn't make the predictions that they may try for or get Peyton, but certainly. Uh, He's in their thoughts right now. That'll be an interesting thing. If he were to come to New York, more important if he can still play despite that that neck problem that he has. But uh, it would make for a great season if he gets to New York. It would, and I think a lot of people want a different quarterback than Mark Sanchez, but people have to remember Sanchez did bring the Jets to the, the conference game two years in a row. Yes, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl either time, but uh, you got to still have some patience with him. 
he's only a third-year quarterback, so give him a little time and maybe it'll it'll work out. Uh, absolutely, so, he, he shows potential. You know, the the problem is winning, particularly in New York, demands not having a good game or many good games. It demands consistency. Like the bad game that, that uh, Lynn had the other day, that doesn't change his ability. It just means he had a poor game like many people have had. But uh, in New York, if you don't win, you, you're a loser. And it doesn't take much to get that tag. So uh, I'm hoping that, that Lynn comes back. I'd like to see Sanchez have a great year. And I'd like to see Peyton in New York. And I'm all for second chances in anything. And, and these guys have should have that opportunity. And of course, Aaron, uh, he's always given a second chance in New York. I uh, was given and won the two, won the World Series a few years ago. So that's an example of how they stuck with him, and uh, he let him down then. But we'll see what kind of year Jorge Posada hung it up as well. Uh, I'm sure you've talked with Posada over the years. Uh, really nice guy. Hey, incidentally, before we we end our little session together, I'd just like to uh, tell your many fans that I. Love the fact that you're progressing so well in the in the sports casting field. You started out as a young guy. You certainly got my interest with your ability, with your enthusiasm, with your preparation, with your ability to go out and get the job done, make a name for yourself. You've lived up to everything that a young sportscaster has to do, and I predict a great future for you as well. Thank you very much, sir. It means a lot to hear that, and I want to thank you again for Everything you've taught me uh, since September of 2006, Bob has uh, helped me with play-by-play skills and and writing skills and really knowing how to be an announcer, so I want to thank you again for that. Well, thank you. You're doing it, which is more important than saying you'd like to do it. You actually have done it, and you continue to do it. So any time that I can be of any help, minor or big, big way, just give me a call. I'm right in your corner. And you know, I did call Bob Wolf for years after this interview, continued the friendship, and continued calling him to update on my progress, get advice as I continue to progress through radio, through AM 970 The Answer, through AM 570 The Mission, through Salem Media Group, and I'm very thankful to have had the experience I've had with him over the years. I'm Alexander Garrett with this Spreaker Special. And indeed, it was a special time anytime I talked to Mr. Wolf. Well, he didn't like on the air if I called him Mr. Wolf, but it was a sign of respect. I really respected the body of work that Bob Wolf did over the years. And one of the big teams he used to broadcast for, the Knicks, uh, I want to just say this. Matthew Simbol, and I don't think you're listening, but if you are, I utilize your great gift card to buy a R.J. Barrett jersey or shirt because I don't have a Knicks stuff. I got Rangers, but I don't have the Knicks. But uh, I'm hoping maybe if I get one, it'll change their fortunes because, boy, does that garden need to be rocking again with winning teams. And the Knicks, they're, they're too classic a franchise to be stumbling the way they are. So let's uh, let's see what they do come January. I don't expect the playoffs. But I do expect something different now that Fizdale's not there. So I'm going to end my show today with that. 
Hello, Go New York, go, and we will talk to you soon here on Spreaker.com. Man, the free will and the Knicks excel. Look out, the number 18.